Then a little afternoon sitting with you Can I see the moon with you? Nothing more that I wouldn't choose Nothing more that I could use 
Good morning. Hey, can you hear the music? Can you hear it? Hey, Kel, can you hear I the music? Can hear you now. Can you hear the music? Yeah. I just figured I'd start with music and then I'll turn it off when they all get here. Hey, Mako. Wow, the music's exciting. It's calming. It's supposed to get you in a zen mode. <laughs> trying to add some ambiance. <laughs> are you on the boat, or did you already finish your boat trip? I am on a boat. Oh, awesome. It's quiet. That's good. Well, the, the funny thing about taking the ferry as much as I do now, like, people don't seem to realize you're supposed to turn off your car alarms because, like... You know, the boat rocks, and then, like, oh. all, you hear, all you hear is, like, car alarms going off. That's a, that's a definite FYI moment. Like, hey, newsflash, PSA, people, <laughs> turn off your car alarms. No, I know. But the, uh, it's nice up here, the Tulip Festival is starting. So, like, all the tu- April 1st to the 15th, all the tulips are blooming. It's pretty pretty amazing. Oh, wow. You guys send me a picture. Yeah. She- yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, they're having all the poppy festivals out here right now. All the poppy reserves and everything are blooming. Oh, nice. That's always Celebr- that's Celebrate always flowers. <laughs> See, the, the music is working. Make it. We're Good. I'm glad to hear it's working. And all sorts of stuff. <laughs> Getting everyone in the mood, right? <laughs> Good morning, Tamsin. Right. Morning. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. It's very cloudy in LA, which by our standards always like sets a mood for sure. It's like very cloudy and overcast. It's beautiful and sunny up here in Northern California. I'm supposed to say it's raining up here, but it's sunny. <laughs> That's nice. You're on a boat. It needs to be sunny. Steve, are you are you up in the San Juans? I'm on the boat in the San Juans. See, it's it's cloudy on Edmonds, but the sun always shines on the San Juans. Yep. <laughs> Well, actually, that's true. Is that their slogan, Darius? No, the that's sun always it. shines on the San Juans. I, I think, <laughs> what's, what's, that, what's that AHA song in the 80s? The sun always shines on TV, you know? <laughs> but no, it's actually true because the islands sit in the shadow of the Olympic Mountains. So it actually gets like like 300 days of sun a year up here. It's actually kind of wild. Wow. Awesome. That's awesome. Good, good place to have a house. Hey so Kelly. Good. Kelly, it was, hey, it was good to see yeah. you. Good to see you were real there. I sorry, I saw you know Mike and Arden, and I saw you pass by a sec too. I didn't know you were all there. I know. You're, human. Is, uh, you're real. Wait, you're life, you're actually, can we can we talk about that? Because like I saw a picture from Arden. Why is she at the Oscars? You know, because she's she's in that class now, Mako. She gets to go to the Oscars. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it was funny. You'll have to talk to her about it. She's got funny stories about that. Was she well positioned for the slap or? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anybody wants to be well positioned for the slap, honestly. I actually almost named the newsletter this week, the slap, and I didn't even talk. And I wasn't even going to talk about it just to like <laughs> see if I can get some uh, clickbait. <laughs> that would have been clickbait for sure. Absolutely. We could have named our clubhouse the slap and everyone like, this is not this is nothing about the slap. <laughs> coaching at coach well no but coaching the slap, you could be coaching Will Smith. You could tie it in here somehow. You know, actually I'll I'll send you like I thought the most interesting thing was Mark Manson wrote a book with Will Smith last year and he had some really interesting commentary about the whole thing. Yeah, I'm sure. That would be interesting. Yeah, send me the link. I'll check it out. There's those car alarms going off, too. I was like, yeah, something's going off in the background. Yeah, can you hear there. the stupid car alarms? <laughs> just turn off the yes! <laughs> that is uh, not the music. 
Okay. All right. We're at about 9.33, so I'll go ahead and open the room. And I'm, you know, every time I go in here, I try to figure out how to invite everybody, but I somehow figure, I'll figure it out as we go. But anyway, welcome, everybody. Uh, this is the official Learning to Lead Clubhouse. We meet here every Saturday from 9.30 to 10.30 in the morning Pacific Standard Time. And this uh, clubhouse was created to allow us to have a forum where we could just talk about everything leadership, the challenges, the achievements, and everything in between. And uh, there's a lot of leaders from different levels that join this conversation and bring a broad diversity of experience and perspectives. So whether you're an entry-level leader or you're a seasoned executive, we're all here to share our experiences and our knowledge and our sage advice. Um, there's a several things that I want to just kind of point out from a housekeeping perspective that number one, this is an official clubhouse. So we really encourage you to follow us and you can do that by clicking on the little green house at the top up there. And we welcome everyone here on the stage as well as those in the listening lounge. Um, we ask that you, um, also consider following some of the folks in this room. They can be a great uh, asset to expanding your network and being folks that you can lean upon. <clears throat> Excuse me. And we um, invite, invite you all to join the stage because the more we have up here on the stage, the more we can learn from one another and hear your uh, important and very valued uh, input. Uh, in the conversation. You also have the ability to message us. You can either go to the kite at the bottom right corner and you can uh, send us a message there. You can DM us or there's also now a new chat feature on the left bottom corner where you can send messages in the back, back lounge. Um, lastly, we encourage you to take advantage of our recaps. We do this on LinkedIn and we also do it on our Substack website. So there you'll be able to listen to the recorded sessions if you want to listen to it again or you want to go back and listen to uh, any that you may have missed. We also summarize uh, the discussion and also add resources there. So uh, we all have a quenching thirst to find our purpose and make an impact and leave our mark. And today we have another great conversation of, around uh, leadership styles. And I'm going to turn it over to Kelly. Thank you, Tamara. That's a great <laughs> intro. Um, and we do, like I said, we, as Tamara mentioned, we do record these. So often our setups for folks who come in frequently is just to make sure that people who are listening, um, um, maybe for the first time, know what we're doing. So before we jump in uh, to the continue our series on really unpacking and digging into the different leadership styles, I do always like to do our kind of moment of reminding us to look back, reflect, how are things going? This is a really important practice in general, I would say for life and wellness and but it's also really important as leaders, as we're thinking often about the work that needs to be done around us, um, our own growth, our team's growth, it's sometimes easy to forget looking back and seeing how far we've come or how things are going. So this is a great, this is one of my favorite parts of uh, our conversations always is to just do a round table on what is one word that wraps up how your last week went and how you're feeling and, and how things are going. So with that, I'm gonna start with, with Mako. Make us on a boat. We might come back to you, Mako. Maybe it's loud there or you've lost reception. So I'm gonna to go to Darius. And that was just, he was doing his dramatic pause maybe. He was gonna wait for us all to listen. Um, for me, the word is that it was intense. Um, we had a new chief digital and technology officer join. Um, and so we kicked off in the onboarding and super excited because she's very engaged. I'd rather have someone super engaged and ask us a lot of questions. Um, but aside from doing all of our daily job, we're also now onboarding full time. So intense. <laughs> yeah, right. It's it's one of those. Um, it's it's important and it's positive in a lot of ways. But yes, it it creates a whole other level of work on top of everything else that's going on. So yes, can totally relate. Melissa, good morning. Morning, Kalim. Uh, it was a remarkable week. Uh, we had a lot of items and we were able to complete our work uh, as well as on the pride side here in Florida. So I felt that, yeah, a lot of remarkable things were able to be accomplished and a really good uh, outcome for the future. So, yeah, remarkable for me. Great to hear. And because I because I know you outside of Clubhouse, I will say it was a remarkable week. You all, you all did a fantastic job over the past two weeks. Courtney, good morning. Good morning. Um, I think I'm going to use appreciation. Um, I just have... Uh, a lot of people in my life who are helping at work and outside of work. And so, um, and Mako knows this, you know, last week there was a, a passing of 
a, a great artist that, you know, impacted me, but I just makes me appreciate more what I'm surrounded by. What a great reminder. And yes, yeah, sometimes those, those terrible tragedies that happen are the reminder to appreciate those around us and what we have today. Chuck, good morning. Hi. Yeah. Um, I would say awakened, I guess a little bit. I had a really good, um, uh, trip up to Vermont. I survived skiing last week, a few days, um, and just had a really, really good week, some good coaching sessions. Um, so yeah, it was good. Fantastic. I'm Rita. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Um, for me, the week has been quite slow. Um, and coincidentally, I also came across uh, some instances at work where coaching was needed. And uh, I do have some questions in this um, forum today and also some maybe something that I can share. Uh, but yeah, overall, a slow week, uh, a week of learning as well for me. So all good. Yeah, absolutely. I think again, we can all relate with that. And it's great when sometimes we have slow weeks, because again, it creates a little bit more space for us to think, to reflect and to learn, which is great. Tamsin. I'm going to go with energized. I had some things that um, have opened up for me and I'm going to turn the page on some of the challenges from last quarter and just move forward. We lost you a little bit there, Tamsin. So I, but I think we got the gist of, of what you were saying. So thank you so much for sharing your word. And then Mako, I know you messaged that you might be having signal challenges as well. If you have a connection and you want to holler, feel free to come off of mute. Yeah. Hey, signal challenges. That's my week. <laughs> we can hear you now. You. All right, Tamra. Uh, this week I would use, I have actually two words. One is survived <laughs> and the other one is productive. So uh, I, I recently had some surgery, uh, abdominal surgery. So I've been just trying to get through that about a week post-op and I'm, I actually got through the week. It was pretty rough, but I did get through as well as being quite productive. I got a lot of work done on my coaching certification as well as in doing the clubhouse prep. So um, I feel like despite the recovery aspect of it, there was a lot of productivity as well. That is great. And then I think I will wrap up mine by saying that um, I think mine was uh, optimistic. I think there was, you know, a lot of work that's been going on and uh, I've been planning for a lot of different moving pieces to think about scaling going forward. And a lot of, a lot of movement happened in that space. That's going to set us up for success. And so it's something where, I feel optimistic both about, you know, my team and, and how they're performing and how they're doing and setting them up for success, as well as ensuring that we have what we need going forward to be successful. So it's going to help me not only be a, success, a more successful leader, but also have the bandwidth and capacity to, again, continue to be growing and investing, uh, learning and having my own time. And I'll actually be taking a couple of days off next week. So I'm actually unplugging for a bit, which is going to be really nice to to decompress. So I'm, I'm feeling optimistic. It's all, it's all going well. Um, so with that, we're going to jump in. This is a, a, another really, I think, fun topic. It was, it was great uh, looking through the materials and thinking about this. As a reminder, we have over the last several weeks been digging into the most common leadership styles based on Daniel Goleman's book. So Daniel Goleman's focus often is quite frequently on the emotional aspects, but his book really digs into and evaluates the leadership practices of, of many, many different leaders across many industries and really found there were, there were you know, a, a set of very, very common leadership styles. So today we're actually going into coaching. And I think for a lot of us, um, whenever I look at these, I always kind of immediately am reminded, oh, this feels like one that I use frequently, or this feels like one that doesn't, I don't use as frequently, but it's the reminder that we actually are probably flexing between styles far more than we realize. And so what we really hope to do with this series is give everyone a really deep grounding in each type of leadership style so that you better understand when to move between them, how to leverage each one, and how to identify what might be going on, both for yourself as a leader, um, for people that you might be working with as far as peers or direct leaders, and then how to also teach this to your team. Uh, I think as Tamara said in our intro, we created this group because there's not very many forums where people can have conversations about what it means to be a leader. 
And it can be very, very challenging and very daunting, uh, no matter what level you're at, to just have a place where you can talk about leadership practices and, and learnings and tips and, and challenges. So it's important to take all of this and then how do we effectively train and, and empower and teach our teams. So we're going to start out with this conversation, which what we've, we've been doing structurally is we'll go through kind of what is this leadership style. We'll talk a little bit about examples and kind of what it looks like. And then we'll talk about how do you apply this? And that's where, again, we can get to discussions and questions and examples. So I'll start first with a definition and I'll kind of prepare the room. I would love to hear what you all think. When I talk, when I say coaching leadership style, what comes to mind? What immediately comes to mind? What do you think about? What is your perception of a coaching leadership style? So just basic definitionally, a, a coaching leadership style is really about developing and improving your team members over time. It's really about building engagement and it's focusing on the improvement to become better professionals long-term. It's something that can be quite time-consuming because you are spending a lot of time working with individuals in your team and guiding them. So instead of maybe giving them the answer, you're coaching them to find the answer. So it's really an interesting style. And again, I know for myself personally, resonates very much with me. Um, and often in that concept of teaching my team and teaching those around me to be leaders themselves and coaching, I see that for personally as a really big, big part of it. And I love this coach, this, this coaching, um, quote, Tom Landry says, a coach is someone who tells you what you don't want to hear and who has you see what you do not want to see. So you can become who you always knew you could be. And it's really about the components of that being the the task and the work that has to be done to really build also this kind of relationship that allows for growth. So I'm going to pause there. I said a lot. I would love to hear from the room, if anybody has, you know, a thought or something to share on, on what do you think of when we say coaching leadership style? What comes to mind? Hey, uh, Chuck, um, yeah, I'd love to yeah. meet I saw, I saw you. I right. muted yourself. I really think this is a great time for you to share your thoughts. <laughs> yeah, I can. Yeah. So, I mean, the one thing that, you know, a couple, well, a couple of things that Kelly mentioned, but one, one of them is what, you know, we're talking about leadership styles. Um, and, you know, coaching, I think, plays into, you know, what are our communication styles as a manager? And what are things that we need, you know, what are those skill sets that we can build? <clears throat> and, um, you know, the one thing I've seen that's interesting and that we've, um, I say we collectively as in, in people who have like Tamara and myself who have done um, some training around the coaching space um, is that they want to try to clarify what coaching is. And, you know, what's the difference between mentorship? What's the difference between, you know, therapy and and, and what's the difference between coaching? Um, and then, you know, also in the business space, you think about um, counseling and performance feedback. Um, and I think um, I've read some documentation around, um, I think, in the Army leadership um, uh, guidelines, they talk about the difference between, you know, mentoring, coaching and counseling and, and giving feedback to people. And it's um yeah they're distinctive in how you you know work with um the employee and the coaching aspect of it is one that involves um a lot less talking a lot more listening and very specific you know kinds of questions um that you can you can ask and it's really about you know trying to open up and and kind of get the employee to think about the problems that they're trying to solve um, and providing a safe space for them to open up and um, and talk to you. Um, and then just one other comment is that, you know, Kelly mentioned time consuming. It is a very time consuming and that's something that's come up and I've seen lately on a lot of conversations I'm having in my organization is that we're so focused on deliverables um, and especially the leadership side of things and, and status reports and you know, trying to find time to do meaningful, have meaningful conversations is something that um, is going to be an adjustment, I think. Yeah, I think another one on that really quick is just, you know, if you're talking about coaching, it's it's always about actions over words, right? Because people are going to be watching what your actions are, not just how you're talking. So I, I think that's, that's a, a, I'm trying to be short because I don't know when I'm going to signal again, but that's, that's a big one for me. 
Uh, I, I think that uh, coaching is uh, something that every uh, good manager should have anyway. I mean, it's, uh, it's their people management skills um, per Chuck's point, how they relate with their direct reports and created those uh, growth plans, performance, but most than anything, listening to them and listening to their issues, not, not even work-related, it may be their personal issues and figure out how to open spaces for them to grow both. Uh, uh, in the personal space and the professional space. So so I think a, a, every good manager should have uh, this quality anyway. And one thing people are talking about, the time commitment. I mean, one thing I would say, though, is that it takes more time in the near term. But if you coach a team or individuals over time, they become stronger. And so actually, it's like short-term investment for long-term success. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I mean, everybody, you know, well said. And I, I think, you know, Darius, really great point, because I think, yes, the time investment in the inter in the immediate may feel like a lot, but you're enabling your team and you're enabling people in your team and your, your future leaders. I wish to think about that with my team about, you know, what they can do in the future um, and how they're going to be coaching the next level. And I think it's really interesting, you know, Chuck, you brought it up and Tamara, you kind of brought it up you know, that the coaching industry has, has grown so much. And I think it's, you know, it's really an interesting, I think, reflection as well. And very much when, you know, some of the opening comments of this clubhouse of, you know, people seeking to actually have coaching in their life, meaning that there's an investment in, in how they are growing and unpacking who they are and growing their skills and doing it in such a way that is less about going, you know, to a class and just absorbing information but it's less, it's more about kind of that, that connection, that safe space, that trusted relationship where you can be challenged and you can think differently and learn the tools that then you can apply in other areas of your life, which I think is, you know, an interesting point. If you think about, you know, just even the last couple of years, the growth in that industry, which I think is a reflection of, of a gap likely in what people are getting, um, you know, in their own lives, be it from, you know, education, but also maybe the lack of investment in their, in their growth long-term in their workplace as well. And I'm just going to add, I just wanted to add also, I think that uh, I, I love what everybody shared so far. And I think it's, it's also really important to go back to what we've talked about week after week, which is, you know, this real, this real, um, keen awareness of what you're doing, a pur purposeful intent of what an intention about how you're going to be leading and as you pivot between all of these different leadership styles. And this one, as well as many of the other ones, you know, it's really leveraging influence. I mean, you have to have a level of trust with your team or the individual that you may be coaching uh, for them to really be able to open up and to trust you and feel comfortable and 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 also like your how you view or how you articulate to the team or the individual uh even failure you know it failure is okay this is a learning process we're going to we are going to trip up we are going to have moments where we we don't do our best but ultimately uh, as everyone said it's really the bullish investment you know you, if you put the investment in up front it is going to be a lot of work but the whole the whole point of coaching is to empower your team and ha help them to develop autonomy so that they're able to really think in a different way and to really perform in a different way. But then as time goes on, it is less time consuming, but it is very purposeful as well. It's, you know, I, I think that uh, Ch uh, Chuck, you really uh, captured it really carefully there around mentorship versus coaching. It's the kind of questions you ask. It's what you're actually your intention of what you're trying to accomplish. And as you said, with coaching, it's about helping them pull the answers out of themselves and to guide them versus telling them what to do. And in my experience in leadership, you know, that was one lesson I had to learn is that I, I readily want to give everybody the answers. I want to solve their problems. I want to make, make sure everybody's happy. Everything's going well. And I had to really break that habit and really instead stop and do a lot of active listening, take the, take the time to really listen to them. And that is the time consuming part is listening and asking empowering questions versus giving them the answer. Agree. Um, I, in the past uh, week, I, I came across almost three scenarios. Uh, 
I and I'll talk about the first one only right now, uh, which is I I was wondering like what what makes us easy to know if the person uh, we are hiring is coachable or not, or a person in the team uh, who has been there for a really long time is coachable or not? How do we know that? So one scenario I came across was hiring, um, and it was like a, a, as a like a new candidates applying for a job uh, in one of my extended teams. And I was made aware that they won't, I won't get to interview them unless, unless they, um, they, they are given an assignment to learn something on their own and they accept that offer to learn and then they come back and then do their first interview. So I, I got, I, I, it made me think a, about a couple of things, but it also made me realize that also shows and there are candidates who are accepting that type of approach um, with less number of interviews or less number of technical rounds um, because this is, you know, this is for, you know, software engineering and what else, like, how do we know or how do can they demonstrate um, so I like that idea because it also tells me that the person is willing to learn and they kind of, they are taking that step to, you know, self-learn and, you know, go to AWS and just learn a couple of things that we are providing them as an assignment and then they're coming back. And that also means that, and, and the, as they move forward to the next round, it's like, okay, they accept the feedback and then they move forward. So it tells me that person is coachable. I, I'd like to know like what you guys think about this concept or um, how do you know first if a person is coachable or not? You know, it's a good point. It's a, it's a great question that you ask. And it's, it's an interesting scenario that you present as well because you're talking about hiring people. And hiring people is a that's a that one's a little dicey just because you don't know these people and they don't really know you. There's not really an established relationship, so it's a little bit tougher to really kind of figure that out. But I think one of the big things that comes to mind for me is is are you at, if you ask the right questions, if you ask empowering, open ended questions, and 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 you don't give them the answer. If they're receptive to that, you know, you're going to know just by ask, answering the right questions. And I'm going to really invite Chuck into this conversation with me about it's 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 really you're going to know if you start asking them questions about what do you think? What would be another way to approach the problem you're presenting as an example? Right. Then they would bring something else, some other idea they have forward and you kind of tease it out of them. But if they're just. and being open with you there that could be an, a, a cue that they're not interested in coaching they're not going to be open to it or it could just be simply that you have not yet established the trust with them uh, they don't want to be quite so open or vulnerable with you there's lots of different reasons different things that could come into play when you think about someone's response to you Chuck thoughts yeah, I mean, I agree 100 percent on what you were saying, especially, you know, trying to get there, um, you know, how they react to open ended questions um, is a good indicator. I look for learning patterns um, as well and not just like what they learn and how they apply that to their job, but how they adapt to situations that don't always go that way, the way they that hope to, you know, um, and so I, I look for the, those kind of situations because sometimes, at least from my experience, at, at least if they show like there's someone who's interested in learning, um, looking for insights into how they can improve themselves, they're typically going to open up to those kind of questions down the road. You know, it's funny. I had this exact conversation this week because one of my principals wanted to start doing that type of um interviewing process and I, I went exactly opposite. I, I I don't like that at all. I mean I am I'm really against that type of like here's a homework assignment. I'd much rather have the technical interview be a open ended conversational question, you know, and you can vary the degree of technical that you're doing on it. Like I like one I ask questions like, hey, you're building an API, you're sitting on the internet, what are the things that you would do to protect that type of thing? And that way it's a back and forth kind of conversation. And it, to me, it shows 
whether or not somebody can have a technical conversation, explain ideas, go back and forth, listen to ideas, iterate on an idea with somebody else, explain something that is, you know, technical in a non-technical way. I I'd much rather that, like, I know me personally, if I got a homework assignment, I wouldn't, I'd say I'm not even interested in the role. Amako, that, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, 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 what you're mentioning there, I mean, I have been in a lot of interviews where we have the most difficult uh, exercise, homework assignments, but once we hire those people, they don't even know how to relate to the team. So so that, that's a pretty good point in there. And, and uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that as well as experience. You know, it's also a really interesting pandemic thing that I've seen happen. I don't know if other people have had this, but we have actually had incidents where people interview and then, you know, they either do a technical thing or they, or they code something or whatever, and then they get to work and it isn't actually even the person we interviewed like it's like somebody completely different that were being fed answers during an interview or if it's a take-home assignment like somebody else did it for them you don't even, you don't even know like it's really wild like you know but we've literally had people show up who were not the same human being that was interviewed on a screen <laughs> that, that is crazy um <laughs> so i think we, i think i have a whole we could have a whole other topic on like um funny interview stories but i actually in all seriousness i great great commentary on thinking about you know interviewing through the lens and i think you could apply that through every leadership style and how do you assess the response and especially depending on where they sit organizationally with the expectations of their role um but i i'm going to take a note that it's probably time for us to talk about you know interviewing practices going forward as well which could come up with some fun stories like mako finding that they've hired somebody who's not the same person um but I do want a quick reminder that I think, you know, as we're talking about this, um, I think it's a great question. So thank you, Amrita, for, for asking it, which is I'm going to jump a little bit into some of the characteristics because I, I tend to agree when I interview, um, I definitely don't gravitate towards homework assignments. I don't work in a highly technical field, though. So for, for my, my roles, it's generally more about approach, thought process, cultural fit, communication style, and it's more about are you going to be somebody who will will blend in and, and align to what we're trying to do trying to do and have the openness to learn and the openness to grow? Um, because I think anything can really be taught beyond that. But again, I understand that for certain roles there is a core competency from a technical expertise um, or just a specific expertise that's required. But if I was to go through at least as we start to think about, you know, in addition to asking questions in an interview and assessing is someone coachable. Um, I think the characteristics of this leadership style are really interesting. And so uh, these probably won't be shocking to a lot of the things that we've already started to, to say here, which is one, you know, a coaching leadership style really creates a collaborative environment. And it's really focusing on the team and spending the time with the team, focusing on long-term goals, but also really kind of working together and collaborating. So this, this might sound very familiar to even the democratic leadership style, which is very much about inclusivity and bringing everyone together. But coaching is really about spending time with your team, being clear on purpose, collaborating together on how to solve a problem, um, but also investing in your team as they might be solving a challenge. And then I think there's also this idea of, of mindset and being in a coaching mindset that we've talked a lot about here already, which is developing and investing in each team member so that they have the best results and the best growth and the best opportunities. And so it is very much about the team, but it's also very much about spending time with each individual and that being in the forefront of mindset and approach. And then I think as we kind of go through, there's, there's how we think about kind of the feedback and giving feedback. And I think what's an important point here is that, you know, coaching is about working through challenges, asking the right questions, asking open questions so that each individual can learn from those experiences and find those answers themselves. But it is also about giving giving feedback that may be hard to receive sometimes. So, you know, back to say, seeing the things that we don't want to see sometimes or hearing the things we don't want to hear sometimes. When we are coaches and we are successful coaches, we do have to sometimes show individuals things that they may not see or they may have they may not be aware of or be acknowledging. And that really helps remove those barriers or understand things that might be holding our team members back. So I think that's an important aspect is that we're giving constructive feedback, that it's not in a, a command and control or directive lens where we're just telling someone to do something. 
but we are giving them feedback that they can action on and they can learn and grow from. And of course, I'll say a huge foundational component to all of this, which has been hit on multiple times, you know, coaching leadership style is about empathy and trust. It is about understanding. And fundamentally, this leadership style will not work if you do not spend the time building trust with your team. Because the again, what many people have already said in this conversation, in order to have those open conversations, we have to ensure that people feel safe um, and comfortable and know that even when we're giving you know, maybe hard feedback at times or hard to, you know, hear feedback at times that they know it's coming from a place of empathy and understanding and trust that we want what's best for each other. Um, so I think that's, again, another really important point and aspect of thinking about kind of characteristics. Are there others that come to mind that I didn't hit that or things that resonate as we think about the characteristics of this leadership style? I just want to add to um, that um, I think the leader has to fundamentally believe that whoever they're coaching is going that they that they have the capability to be successful, that they are you know you have to really believe and trust that this person, you know it's worth this investment and that they're going to really end up end up being the best version of themselves through the coaching process. Um, but I also want to point out that through coaching, there's also a real importance around accountability. It's a two-way street, right? So the coach is there to help, or the coaching leadership style is there to help. But it's also to help the employee not, or the team member not only identify, um, you know, where maybe their weak spots are, or, or excuse me, you would probably explore their blind spots or their weaknesses, and you may know that as a leader, help them to see those, and then help them to find and implement actions to improve those those areas to strengthen them. And again, in the actions in this step is about joint accountability. So they have to really um, have some accountability and take action. And when you go back to the question that was asked earlier about uh, how do you know somebody's coachable, that accountability that you would see by them taking the action, taking the steps, being open to the conversation, but also, like I said, really taking action to um, to to um, what am I trying to say? To correct those blind spots and to really improve and gain new new skills or to improve those skills. So those are some other things well, I'm thinking. About. You know, the other thing too that also I think about a lot too. Like it's hard as a leader, but like not everybody's coachable. I mean, exactly. you you really just you you got you got to get to that point. It's like you can't fix everybody. Yes, and and that's when you might pivot to commanding or another leadership style, right? Because we're or constantly- you, or, 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 or you move, you move them to you move them someone else's team. <laughs> That's right. Mako, you have some open roles, right? Just kidding. Oh, oh, I, have, I always do. I have a ton of open. But you know what? It's interesting. I, you know, I talk about this stuff a lot in interviews and I, I, I get a lot of feedback. Like, I want to work for that. Like, that's like what I want to work for. So it's actually, I find it very valuable when you find people who want to work for that style. And one, one thing I found important is sort of that it, some of it is bi-directional. I mean, and I just have a straightforward conversation with most of my directs and say, I'm going to be giving you feedback. I'm going to be telling me your blind spots and how they react to that conversation. First of all, when you have that initial one talking about, you're going to be giving the coaching feedback over time. But then when you start doing it, right, when you actually start giving that feedback and how do they take it? Do they... Do they kind of recoil when you share it? And I just always bring it back to context. Look, I'm trying to, I'm helping you grow. And this is, this is not, this is, this is, you know, what do you think about this, right? And push the conversation. So I feel really sometimes, especially at the start with people, framing it up that this is coaching, right? Making them understand that. Um, so they have that context. So they're not taking it negatively necessarily. Yeah, it's a good point because, because I, again, I think that, People can walk, you know, come into, a, you know, a role or be, you know, part of your team and have had some really bad experiences in the past. You know, I've had bad experiences in the past with people who don't deliver feedback in a constructive way. And so sometimes that word feedback to people causes them to recoil just hearing the word feedback because it comes, sometimes comes with negative connotations. And so that thus the constructive feedback and how you do it. And it all starts with, as, as Chuck said, a lot of listening and establishing trust so that they feel they can be vulnerable because ultimately that's the goal of coaching is to help them to open up and to start to solve, solve their own, you know, not solve their own problems, but to, to hone their skills and to be open to that, 
to that feedback. So you as a coach can then start to help them to see all the possibilities and what they can actually accomplish and to start to become encouraged and know like they take a few steps forward and that can really just ignite the fire in their belly and to feel more confident that they're working for someone who really supports them and who really listens to them and who's there to help them even when they're maybe they're really struggling they're not really sure what to do. Yeah, I think sometimes people aren't used to these conversations as well. So, and it, that, like I've been um, doing some coaching, uh, career coaching uh, with my teams, and it, they've commented that they haven't had these kind of conversations in years. Um, and, you know, to all the points kind of uh, made previously, th- there's a, a varying degree of how people are accepting these conversations. And there's some people who are very much invested in, themselves and very self-aware and um and have been um i would say you know very proactive in, in managing their career and they're they're um still like a little bit of like oh wow that's a like um, an open-ended question i, I got to think and and but then they quickly adapt to it and you know we have a great conversation there's some people that are just like i don't know what to do with this question you know it's um, so I think that's a big part of like creating a coaching culture is just, it's in, for some people, it's going to take time that they're just not used to, um, this sort of mode of communication. Yeah. All well said. And I, and again, I think, you know, going back to what you said, Mako, you know, it's, it's something that I think as leaders, you know, and I definitely, I had this, this trait that I have to always push through, which is you know, we do want to fix every situation or we, we want to fix every one, right? So if someone is, it's not working or there, there's a performance issue or they're, you know, resistant, you know, it's natural to want to kind of make sure that you fix it. But I, I think as leaders, we have to understand that you are going to meet resistance sometime where someone is not coachable. And that might be because they are not ready to hear the messages yet. They may not be ready or open to receive the feedback. And I think it's important that we as leaders understand that those difficult conversations may come up and they they will come up in our career. And those difficult, challenging situations where, you know, we are going to continue to provide coaching and feedback, even if it's even if it's uncomfortable, right? And I think that's a big part of what, you know, definitely not being someone who's who's taken any classes on coaching, but you know, what often you hear about is asking those open-ended questions and then giving space. It's very quick. We want to jump in and fill space that's uncomfortable that there's no one speaking. But in those moments, we have to create that space and understand that it's going to be a little uncomfortable at times. But it's really important not only for us as leaders to have those experiences and to stay true to what it means to be a leader, which sometimes is having hard conversations. But it's also important for that individual who may not hear it today, but they may hear it in the future. They may receive it in the future but also to our team. So I think it's an important reminder, as we say, like, is somebody coachable? You may reach a point where you do meet individuals who are not, and it's okay, but understand that you still, as a leader, need to push through those those difficult or maybe uncomfortable situations um, to, you know, to, to help that person in the future, but also ultimately think about your team as well, um, which can, is, can be very uncomfortable potentially or challenging. And as we all have different points where we'll hit that in our in our leadership journey. Uh, and I do as we have 20 minutes left here, um, you know, both if there's additional questions that any any folks have on this topic or how to apply this, this leadership style, I would like to shift a little bit into how how folks have applied coaching and what are some of the practices that you have done. And we've kind of used some examples here and in Darius, you shared some examples as well of even just recently kind of things that you've done. Um, but I would love to, you know, open it up and hear how are you applying coaching leadership style or, you know, any questions or issues or challenges you've had in leveraging um, this style. I'd like to hear everyone's thoughts on, um, I mean, in my experience, I feel like it's a different person, different coaching style. But uh, I, the just last week, I I realized that there's, there's a person or persona with you know that I would call hot-headed so I just started coaching him last week but um so that's one use case for me and I'm also learning 
uh, and the other one is someone I have been coaching for like seven months. But the first four months, to Tamara's point, actually it was spent just building that trust with them. I'm, I'm and I had identified, and it seems to me like at all counts that person has been a toxic employee, uh, unfortunately. And so the first four months, okay, building trust now you know, that person opens up and we talk, but now it's been seven months and I don't see any action, like all of that converting into action. I see there's lack of accountability. So I'd love to hear your thoughts, like what are the different coaching styles maybe or how how you would, or, or what has worked for you or what are the practices that you have used? Well, I think you just absolutely perfectly described the person who's really not not open to being coached or not receptive to being coached because to invest seven months in somebody, I think they're giving you a very clear message. And I've had I've had a staff too that I've worked with. I have somebody right now I'm working with that's like that as well. And 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 the person I'm working with can try to they try very hard to be very manipulative. But I see through that and it's it, there comes a point where you have to then pivot to another uh, leadership style because it, it, it they're not it doesn't sound like they're they're really coachable that that that's my first thought when you when you said that yeah it's like the in between time from we really realize if they're coachable or not or when we start the journey with them until we hit a milestone or you know not a desired milestone it's that in between time that kind of i don't know is killing me sometimes <laughs> Yeah, and it sounds like there isn't the, the the key the key thing, which is accountability, right? Is that you know you're there trying to support their growth, trying to support whatever you know you're you're trying to you're trying that to get them to accomplish. Not it's really more about their growth, I think, more than anything. But clearly, there's not accountability if you're if you're seeing that, and it's maybe time to pivot somewhere else and and uh, and have a different conversation. Yeah, and I'll just um, I chime in, you know, and, and I echo, you know, I, I agree with a lot of the, the the comments that that Tamara made. I think what I've found successful, if I just think about the practicality and structurally how I how I leverage coaching quite frequently, you know, and I and I think there's obviously the more I know somebody or I've worked with them, you know, obviously there's a lot more shorthand and we can move a lot faster and and give feedback uh, differently once you've kind of gotten past that that relationship building trust. Um, trust and transparency kind of phase. But I think, you know, in one-on-ones, it's really, you know, effectively, we talked a lot about one-on-one structures. I think using those forums in a in a way that's really constructive and does start to bring in those questions that we need to ask to make sure we have that, that you know, kind of open-ended questions to get people to see what's going on, but also have very real examples. I think often a big component that I've seen of successful coaching is both successes as well as areas of improvement. And this goes back to also timely feedback. So if somebody's doing something that we want to shift or we want to coach them through is, is taking that what happened in a moment and bringing that very specific example into a one-on-one or having a conversation with them to talk through an actual example or situation that they went through, which grounds them in what's actually going on and what we're talking about. Because I think often um, some of these concepts can become quite elusive and abstract to people and they don't really understand what we're talking about when we say something to them or give them feedback. So it's our it's for us to make sure that we're being concrete and we're being clear in what we're talking about and what we're working through with them. And then I think back to the point on, you know, when you when you're dealing with a situation where someone might be might be, you know, toxic or we start to fall in that category of not coachable. Again, I think that just goes back to Tamara hit on it earlier. You might shift into a different leadership style where you have to manage through a situation. And there's, you know, leadership styles that we've talked about that are about, you know, managing even performance issues. And so that might be where you you are leveraging coaching, but you're now shifting into a different leadership style to work through an issue because you, you need to take a different approach in order to move move that person through or that, you know, to resolve that issue. But I think trust and transparency also careful to, we don't need to spend so much time in that zone that we are worried about becoming friends uh, with everyone. I think it's important to have really good relationships, but I, I know there's been a lot of talk uh, in, the, in the world in general and in social about moving away from this idea of 
your work is people are your family, right? You have to be friends with everyone. And it's not just that we don't care about each other and that we don't treat each other with respect, but it is about making sure that we understand that we also are professionals and that when we give feedback or we're working through issues that we are thinking about our teams, the other people we're working with, that we're supporting all of them and that we're not getting so focused on everyone needing to like us or everyone needing to be our friends or everyone, you know, the people pleasing aspect that we are focused on giving tangible, clear feedback that it helps someone get to where they need to be, or we are then going into the potentially difficult conversations to address the, the issue long-term. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, you, you have to shift your hat. You know, you, you're, you're, you are the boss and, and there's times when you're gonna have to, if, if you're trying to do a lot of people pleasing, it's gonna be tough when you gotta put the hat on and be the commanding leader. Um, and we have to be able to easily pivot that way. So that was a really good point you brought up, Kelly. Um, I, I was gonna, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, yeah, I was just going to say that, you know, I think there's a couple of different things um, here, too. And I think, you know, with leadership, I think one of the biggest challenges that we're going to face is is shifting, um, not necessarily to coaching all the time. Like You do that, like, in different situations, like where someone – Maybe stuck on a problem. You may be coaching on career conversations, um, but creating a coaching culture too. Um, the, the, there's so like a lot of the data that we're seeing from the Great Resignation, or I think you know, I, I think you know, maybe Mako had you know, called it the realignment. Um, but you, you know, the, the people want something more from the workplace, and I think you know what's great about you know when we think about like a coaching culture is that even if you're not coaching you know, you can learn how to listen, you build up your skills on listening, you can create more empathy with your employees, um, you know, um, better transparency and following up on things that you need to do, and also the employee as well. Um, you know, building that um, no judgment zone for them to open up, because um, a lot of employees are they're saying, like, I just, I'm not getting empathy from work around my per personal life, I'm not getting empathy around what um what i'm doing in a career perspective i don't feel valued by by managers so even if you're not specifically coaching someone through a problem you can set up that positive space that you know really changes the dynamics of, of the that relationship in those conversations that people i think are wanting more from the workplace that is such a great framing for it chuck too so i think as as anyone's listening to this and they're thinking about whether or not they've used this this leadership style or how to start to use this leadership style and that's a really fantastic point on the positioning and the mindset well especially even when we think about building trust right is is even coming at the conversation with that mindset of knowing where a lot of people's heads are these days and i think it goes all the way back to Emrita's question about is someone coachable and how to assess that in an interview asking questions to assess where people's mindset are um, and as far as like, you know, where are you going long-term and, and alignment and values and what do you care about is I think a really important indicator for their openness, right? And are they really open and are they, you know, open to having those conversations and what is their frame of thinking when you ask questions like that? Thank you. This was so insightful. Well, I, I was going to ask a question. Do you think people want more out of workplaces or do they want more out of life? I guess that's something that I, I think about a lot. Like, you know, I want my, my work to be interesting and fun and the workplace to be interesting and good and have foster good culture. But it's just like, it's only a piece of everything else to me. It's like, I... I mean, Michael, to, to that point, I mean, we, we spend at work 50, 60 hours of our life every week. Well, that's too much. About that, that's too much. We, we are more time at work, than, especially now working from home. I mean, I, I start working out at nine. My team is on the West Coast. I work all the way till seven or eight. So most of us, I mean, that's what we are doing every day. So I guess uh, uh, having that happiness at work uh, and being able to find those spaces, not to only be doing work, but doing other things that you like to do while working. I think is what people is looking for now. I mean, in my case, I'm pretty happy. I am able to, to do technology, which I love. And at the same time, I can do DNI, which I love. So, I mean, when you find those spaces and the company open those spaces for people, 
uh, it makes people happy. And that's, uh, and that's as managers, it's what we can do for our direct reports as well, is finding those spaces for them, for them to be happy at work. So, so that, that's how I well, think. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that, but I would also say we should have a conversation on 50 to 60 hour work weeks. Uh, well, no, that, that's true as well, Ben. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of, of big points there. And I, I, I definitely am, I mean, this is probably a, a whole other clubhouse. We'll put it on the list. Um, because I think philosophically, I think it's very reflective of the point on the great resignation or the great realignment, which I, I just love that that framing that Mako, you, you mentioned in a previous session. And I think, you know, the, the fact is people should be doing work that they enjoy. And I believe that is possible. Um, I believe that we can be in roles and jobs and work that really feed our passion and help us grow and we're excited to go to work. I think what Melissa hit on as well is, you know, you're doing also your core work, but what are the other ways that you are also able to contribute or lead um, in your organization that is kind of outside of your your work, right? And DEI is one of those areas that, you know, I, I spend time as well that is really something that I'm passionate about that isn't really core to my day job. It isn't something that I, I have to do to be successful at the end of year reviews, but it is something that's really important to me personally in the culture that I want to foster as part of our organization. But I say all of that to agree with you, Mako, that, you know, or, or some of the point even that you said, if, even a 50, 60 hour, yes, Melissa, we should talk. Um, but I do think that the, the great resigna re resignation and realignment, I think that is all very much grounded is that we have to have lives outside of work and we have to make sure that we are investing in who we are outside of our jobs, outside of our titles, and make sure that we are experiencing life, that we're growing for ourselves, that we are out in the world feeding our souls. I love that, you know, do what makes your soul grow line still sits on my desk. And I think that's what's important to remind our teams is it's about the work that we're doing when we come in or we clock in, right? Nine to five, whatever it is, but it is about ensuring that there's support in what you do outside of your work. And this forum is a great example of that, right? Like we're all spending time here, talking to each other, learning from each other. And it's a deposit in each one of us individually that we're spending this time here. And it isn't something that mandated by our job, but it's about finding things that we enjoy and learn and grow and challenge ourselves. And I think it's important to always instill that within our teams is our work is important and valued and meaningful but you are more than your job. And the more that we can, I think, message that, even in coaching, right? Coach our teams to make sure that they're making time for their life outside of their work as well. Great points. I just I just wanted to, we only have a few more minutes here. I just wanted to uh, maybe expand our conversation a little bit on when we might use coaching leadership. You know, if people can think of situations where, they may in, in fact use this before we close the conversation. And some of the thoughts that I have are in our one-on-one -on -one meetings. Uh, you know, Mark has shared a great model for how to have one-on-one -on -one meetings. So there's also the 10, 10, 10 rule that I love. Um, and that's a great place where you're, you really can have a real um, open conversation with them. I think also in it, it, coaching is a, is a huge part of succession planning really, you know, having purposeful succession planning, coaching is a real critical part of that. Um, annual evaluations, maybe, maybe not, not really sure about that one. Um, also, if you're coming into it um, and starting to work with a team that has a toxic culture um, or there's an existing distrust of leaders, that coaching leadership style can be really helpful in those situations as well. Other thoughts around that? When might you use it? When might you use coaching leadership style? In addition to everything you said, I mean, one that immediately comes to mind is um, maybe, well, not maybe, I, I would actually say when you are promoting new leaders in your team. So I think, you know, often a lot of conversations I've even had this week is individuals who might have recently been promoted to director, right? Or they might be reaching um, a people management level um, of their in their career. And I think that is when, more often than not, when I have a newly promoted team member, I spend a lot more time leaning into coaching and helping them work through challenges, giving them feedback, helping them grow. Um, and really, I, I even kind of use this, this phrase with someone this week, which was, you know, what are the habits that you are building now that are going to serve you as you grow in your career? Um, because this is one step in your career journey. So I think that immediately beyond kind of one-on-ones and succession planning, 
um, and taking on teams that may have, you know, some cultural issues to work through. I think even just the idea of newly promoting individuals into, you know, new scope of, of work or again, managing people, that's where we lean. I lean heavily into to coaching and working with them so that they grow. That's really powerful. I mean, how many times have you have you uh, seen leaders or yourself even included been thrown out there just to do the job? Figure it out yourself. And coaching is so powerful to help people be successful and to go even to the next level. I love that, Kelly. Okay, any other last thoughts as we get ready to wrap this up? Pause for a moment here. Well, I will just say, I will remind everyone, we're on a, a series here that we've been doing of Daniel Goleman's leadership styles, and, and I'll include the, the link in the recap that we do as well, so you'll have a reference to his book. Um, but we are now almost done. So we there are six core leadership styles that he kind of covers um, within his, his studies, and we've hit pace setting, we've hit commanding, we've hit democratic, coaching. Next, we're going to be doing affiliative, and then we're going to close out the series with visionary. So I'm, I'm loving the conversation. Again, I, I learn a ton in every conversation. It gives me a lot to think about that I can apply day one when I go back to work uh, on Monday. But it's, it's again, it's, it's really interesting to think about each one of these and pay more attention and practice more self-awareness of when I'm using each leadership style or be more empowered to maybe step into or lean into a specific leadership style given given these discussions yeah i agree it's 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 really kind of bringing the focus uh onto each of these leadership styles and 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 you can actually now start i know my for myself a lot of times i i'm really much more aware like oh i think i'm in commanding now or oh nope i stepped into stint pace setting it's it's very very powerful to, you know to take the time to do this because we do this sort of like you know, uh, subconsciously, we're moving back and forth between all these leadership styles, but we're not really always aware of what, what, which one we're actually applying and how to effectively do it. So this has been a great learning for me as well. So on that note, I am going to give, I got a couple of quotes here because I thought this was such a great conversation today. Um, the first one I have is, uh, leadership's about making others better as a result of your presence and making sure that the impact last in your absence. And that's by Sheryl Sandberg. And I thought, wow, that's pretty, that's pretty powerful because that's really ultimately the goal is you, is you, you know, you teach people so that they don't need you anymore. They can do it without you. The second one is coaching is one of the most effective leadership styles that can transform, empower, and unlock people's potential by Farshad Azul. And um, on that note, this has been a very rich conversation, and hopefully we can all take a pearl from this conversation into our week to enhance our leadership. Thank you, everyone. Thank you all. Have a wonderful week, and we'll be back next weekend. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.